finding myself at a loss for words and the funny thing is it's okay the last thing I need is to be heard but to hear what you would say word of God speak would you pour down like rain washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place please let me stay and rest in your holiness word of god speak i'm finding myself in the midst of you beyond the music beyond the noise and all that i need is to be with you and in the quiet hear your voice word of god speak would you pour down like rain washing That you're in this place please let me stay and rest in your holiness word of god speak would you pour down like rain washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're finding myself at a loss for words and the funny thing is it's okay this is the day the lord hath made so let us rejoice and be glad in it i hope you're enjoying these marvelous days of the lord which is every day my subject today is saints alive called to be saints and when i was thinking about that subject i looked around in my study for some kind of visible illustration and the only thing i could come up with was this particular little statue of saint francis of assisi it was done by ben ortega but this was all i could find so at least it's a visible symbol as always my prayer is that you will be blessed by both the word and the music so you hear now, please, the reading of God's Word. It comes from Paul's letter to the 1 Corinthians, 
and we begin at verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by him. You were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. But I'd like you to particularly remember this verse. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a moment of prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Now there's a real saint. It's an expression we use to pay a person a high compliment. What we really mean is that this person is living up to his or her faith. We also refer to the apostles and great Christians of the ages as saints. We even refer to the writers of the Gospels as saint. Saint Matthew, Saint Mark, Saint Luke, and Saint John. We read about the Roman Catholic Church elevating some noble character of another period of history into sainthood. And yet, we never refer to ourselves as saints. I'm no saint, we quickly say. You just don't know me. I'm a real live human being with all my faults. And so in the popular idiom of the day, we are somewhat sad, but also very glad that we are not saints. Perhaps we could understand this from a story of the late Bishop Arthur Moore. He told about an older man who died twice, and both times was revived. One time he awakened in hell, and the next time he found himself in heaven. Somebody asked him, which did he like the best? And this is what he said, heaven is beautiful and nice, but for seeing old friends, there's no place like hell. And so we say, thank goodness we are not saints. And yet this is one of the great designations of Christians found in the Bible. For instance, Paul used this term on several occasions when he was greeting his churches. Listen to some of these greetings. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints. To the church of God which is at Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. Beloved, sainthood is not a status. It has nothing to do with achievement or piety. It has simply to do with grace alone, the grace that God saved us with and called us to be his people and set us aside to be his people. When the New Testament was written, all the Christian believers were called saints. As someone said, even a failed saint is still a saint. So a saint is a Christ follower, a Christ believer, a Christian. So whatever else we think of, a saint is a Christ follower, someone set aside for God's purposes. 
in our text, the Apostle Paul tells us several things we need to know about our calling to be saints. First of all, we're called to be saints because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Listen, the Apostle Paul writes to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, sanctified to those consecrated, purified, and made holy through Jesus Christ. The verb to consecrate means to set apart as sacred, to make holy for God by the offering of a sacrifice for it. So, the Christian has been dedicated and consecrated to God by the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. To be a Christian is to know we are Christians. It's to know we are Christians because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our behalf. Eddie Cantor, who was brought up in the slums of New York's east side, was one day whisked off the dirty streets of New York and taken to a summer camp along the cool and refreshing Hudson River. For the first time in his memory, he had three good meals every day. One night he got to wondering how he happened to be there, why it wasn't costing anything. Another kid in the tent had the answer. He said, because somebody's interested in kids like us. Eddie Cantor said he went to sleep that night, murmuring to himself, thank you, somebody. He said, that was the closest I ever got to religion in those days. Thank you, somebody. Eddie Cantor was talking about grace. Grace, what a marvelous, marvelous word. I remember as a young pastor, I preached a sermon called Grace is Not a Blue-Eyed Blonde. I remember that sermon to this day, not the blonde, but grace. What I want us to remember is grace is the active, unmerited love and favor of God in our behalf. Grace is utter generosity extended in our behalf whether we deserve it or not. As one of my favorite minister friends put it, grace is doing for someone what they do not deserve, have not earned, could not ask for, and cannot repay. I love the way E. Stanley Jones described grace. He said, grace is love favoring us when we are not favorable, loving us when we are not lovable, accepting us when we are not acceptable, and redeeming us when by all rules of the book we are unredeemable. I want you to listen to this. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because of the sacrifice of Christ, we are called to be saints. Now I want us to think for a minute about this cross. What does the cross mean? The cross reminds us of the gravity of sin. The gravity of sin. I want you to notice this woman on this card. This particular woman is dressed in her underwear. And she said at the front, I've been naughty all year. Well, someone sent me this card, and this is what they wrote on the inside. Hi, Hal. This little girl on the cover will not get a gift from Santa. He knows if you've been good or bad. He has no love for bad kids, period. On the other hand, God's love is absolute. And he loves this little bimbo on the cover as much as he does St. Teresa. This is the kind of love it's nice to know about at Christmas. It's also the kind of love it's nice to know about all the time. And then I want you to hear this testimony of this evangelist. Listen. He says, heck, fellas, I'm not even a Christian. If you're going to pray for somebody, pray for me. I need God. In the true fellowship that comes from the Lord, they put their arms around him and began to pray. This time he joined them with sincerity. The forgiveness of God through the Lord Jesus Christ filled the room. He almost perceptibly felt his load lifted. For the first time in 15 years, he felt clean. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord had forgiven him. 
This is the conversion experience of the great evangelist Ford Philpott. But it's also true of every one of us who have confessed our sins. The apostle Paul tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The cross reminds us of the gravity of our sin. And then the cross reminds us of who God is deep down. Now, when the cross first happened, in all probability, someone said, if God had been here, this would not have happened. If God had been here, this would not have happened. And yet those early Christians came to understand that God was there as nowhere else. God was there as nowhere else at the cross. And so Jesus didn't die simply to fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament. Jesus didn't die simply as a sacrifice to appease an angry kind of God. Jesus died to show us the great depth and love of God's love toward us. And so this cross reminds us of who God is deep down. And this cross also reminds us that there is a place of release. I remember years ago when I was a young minister, I'd be driving along listening to music, and I would hear this song frequently. It described an old minister. And this is what he said in that ministry. He said, come to the cross, come to the cross. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Come to the cross for you. Now, when we think about the cross, we know why Jesus went up on the hill, why he died. We know what he left there. What did he leave there? Scarred hands, wounded side, and he left some of his torn flesh. And we know why he did it. Well, what are we going to leave on the hill of the cross? Let me just suggest a few things for us. First, we might leave our bad moments. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can leave our mad moments, our mad moments. Love is not irritable or resentful. Thirdly, we can leave our anxious moments. If God be for us, who can be against us? And fourthly, we can leave our final moments. Paul said, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I was a small boy, every Easter I would hear about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I kept thinking, he doesn't deserve this, and I kept hoping he would be delivered. He would escape. Most of my other heroes did at the last minute, and I kept thinking, one of these days, Jesus will escape. To a boy's mind, it was just not very good to think about Jesus dying at that cross. But let me tell you, now as an adult, I'm so grateful he did. Because of the sacrifice of Christ, we are called to be saints. And then secondly, we're called to be saints, and that means we're called to be something. We're called to be something. Paul says to the church of God, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Someone described the Roman Catholic social worker Dorothy Day this way. She's not great because of what she wrote. She's not great because of what she believed. She's great because what she wrote and what she believed were true of what she was, of what she was. We're talking about now to be something. We're talking about character, not works or actions. The call is to be something. And after all, Jesus' most profound effect on the first century was not his works. It was his person. It was his person. To be sure, these people saw his miracles, and they believed as never before. To be sure, these people heard him speak, and they knew he spoke with authority. 
But what really caused them to respond was not his words or his actions, but his person, his character. You see, he carried around the profound God with him, the atmosphere of God with him. People were simply drawn to Jesus as a magnet. Think about the Samaritan woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the man who died on the cross and all the rest. They were drawn to Jesus like a magnet because he carried around something of the atmosphere of God in his life, in his life. Now, it's important for us to understand that people like Earl Hunt, the former bishop, now passed away. He said that he had come back to the Christian life when he was young for two reasons. He said, first of all, he had come back because of a science teacher he had who also taught him Sunday school, and he was influenced by his life. He said the second reason he came back to faith and to the path of faith was because, as he said, he read a lot of history. And he saw that the most admirable people in history believed in God and they accepted their responsibility to God. Now, you see what Earl Hunt is saying? He's talking about the majesty and the marvelous witness of a person's character, of people's character. So when we are really called, we are called to be something, not simply to do something. We are called to be something. And then thirdly, we are called to be saints, and that means we are called to be different. We are called to be different. The word is hagios, and in the Amplified Translation of the Bible, it means saints, and that means holy. When something is different in Scripture, it is something that's separated from everything else, something that's set aside for a different kind of purpose. And how important it is that we understand to be holy is to be different. To be holy is not to be perfect. To be holy is to be whole. To be holy is to be fully involved in the practical aspects of this world, but yet not be a part of all of these things. To be holy is to live with an obedience, a repentance about oneself. I think it was this professor at the Columbia Theological Seminary, Walter Brueggemann, who described saints like this. He said, saints are men and women and boys and girls who love the Lord, and who live lives that show it. Saints are men and women and boys and girls who love the Lord and who live lives that show it. That is absolutely a marvelous definition of saints. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, Come ye apart, separate yourself from them. In other words, be different. We're told that when Albert Schweitzer decided that he was going to give up his career as a theologian and a musician, he told the people he was going to Africa he was going to be a general practitioner to serve people and to help them. These people must have said, well, you know, you're going to be a nobody. But for the sake of Jesus Christ, he was willing to be a nobody. For the sake of Jesus Christ, he was willing to be different. Now, I found these the other day, and I want to share these brief things with you. This is from a preacher by the name of Douglas Steer. These are six characteristics of a saint. Number one, saints are centered, centered. They are people who have discovered the real. Number two, saints seek not to be safe, but to be faithful. Number three, saints are people with stick-to-itness, people who don't give up easily, people who manage somehow. Four, saints have a sense of joy in the midst of life's trials. Five, saints are caring. Saints are caring. Six, saints are prayerful. All of this simply says that saints are different. We're called to be saints, and we're called to be different. We're called to be holy. And then fourthly, 
We are called to be saints in the company of those who name the name of Jesus Christ. We are called to be saints in the company of those who name the name of Jesus Christ. What did Paul say? He said to the church of God, not to the Methodist church, not to the Baptist church, not to the Presbyterian church, not to the Catholic church, not to the Presbyterian or the Episcopalian or the Pentecostals. He was talking about the whole fellowship of believers. Call to be saints. Call to name the name in the company of those who name the name. But I also want to share with you, we are called to witness to Jesus in the company of those who don't name the name of Jesus. One of the most remarkable things about the parable of the Good Samaritan was that Jesus never named his neighbor. He could have named his neighbor who his neighbor was, but he never named his neighbor. In other words, his neighbor was anybody who was in need. The writer of John's Gospel said, the true light is coming to the world. The true light is coming to the world. Not just to Christians, it's coming to the world. The true light has come to everybody, to everybody. So a saint knows something about the significant other. A saint is dedicated to all people, helping all people, being respectful of all people. Now let me start bringing this to a conclusion. The late William Barclay told about a group of men who brought a soldier that was killed in battle to a French chapel for burial. They wanted to bury the soldier in the cemetery. And so the priest said to them, was he a Catholic? And they said, no. The priest said, I'm not allowed to bury him in the cemetery, but I will help you bury him right outside the cemetery, right outside the fence. And so that's what they did. They buried this young man right outside the fence. When they finished the burial, the soldiers went back to their camp. The next morning they were back early because they wanted to be sure they had done everything in proper manner. But when they got there, they could not find the grave. They could not find any grave freshly dug outside of that fence. And so they were dumbfounded. But suddenly the old priest appeared, and this is what he said. He said, you know, last night I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep very well, worrying about this young man being outside the fence. And so during the night, I got up and I came out here, and with my own hands, I pulled that fence beyond his grave so he would be included. My favorite definition of a saint is a saint is a person who lets the light shine through. So, beloved, my prayer is that God, who has called us all to be saints, that we will recognize our calling and respond and become truly saints alive. Let us pray. Lord, how grateful we are for your presence, how grateful we are for your call upon our lives. We know that to be a saint is not to be perfect. It's not to be pious. To be a saint is simply to be different. To be a saint is simply to be your person, called, set apart to serve, to be an active representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. So help us, O oh God, to truly be saints in every way. It's in your name. Amen. I appreciate so very much you joining us tonight. I hope you'll continue to do so and share it with your friends. We'd love for them to join us too. God bless and good night.
The wind is strong and the water's deep, but I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. The chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side, but your love never fails. the same through the ages your love never changes there may be pain in the night but joy comes in the morning and when the oceans rage I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me your love never Your love. 